And now for something purposely positive. Welcome to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. There's a great quote that says, a healthy person has a thousand wishes, but a sick person only has one. What would you do if you were diagnosed with a lifelong chronic illness? How would you live your life? How would things change? I've entitled this episode, The Healing Power of a Positive Mind, and I want you to meet my amazing new friend, Aubrey. She's experienced this diagnosis firsthand, and no matter where you are in your life regarding your health, I believe you'll be inspired by her story and how she lives her life. Aubrey, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's so great to have you here today, and I'm really excited to have you share your story and to give some pointers to those listening today, because I know there's a lot more people, I think, than we think are out there in the world that have a lot of these different illnesses out there. And, you know, I'd like to hear a little bit more about you and how you've learned to deal with that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely through this experience, I have learned that There are a lot more people out there that are dealing with all kinds of chronic illnesses, so many of which that I have never even heard of before. Yeah, a little bit about me. I was diagnosed with a chronic illness called common variable immunodeficiency. I'm 23 right now. This happened four years ago at age 19. This disease is a type of primary immunodeficiency which there are over 400 kinds of primary immunodeficiencies. So this is one of those. And all primary immunodeficiencies are rare diseases. Later on, after I got this diagnosis, I was also diagnosed with a lung disease, which about 25% of CVID patients get. I definitely felt like I was an unlucky person of a larger group of other unlucky people. So I can definitely relate to people with all kinds of chronic illnesses, whether they're more rare or less rare. So it's definitely been cool to get out there and start talking about my story. And I've been able to connect with people with all kinds of diseases too. Well, that's interesting. Now, what was the feelings that you had when you first were diagnosed? I mean, you mentioned that you felt that you were an unlucky person. Was that part of the discovery process in the beginning? Yeah. So basically my whole childhood and when I was in high school, I was pretty healthy and I would say, you know, I had a pretty, what you call normal life. I played sports. Um, I was pretty good at school. Like everything was going pretty well. And I went to college. So I went to Colorado state university. Everything was going great. Everything that you picture about being a freshman in college. I joined a sorority. I lived in the dorms, all the normal things. And so I only started to get sick halfway through my freshman year. And a lot of people get sick in the dorms in college because you're living with thousands of other kids and you're in a new place. So I thought it was pretty normal. Everyone was like, oh, I've gotten really sick too. So I didn't think too much of it in the beginning, but 
the sickness just never went away and it was terrible. And essentially I would get all these infections. I would get ear infections, strep, sinus infections. I would be congested basically every single day, coughing, throwing up, all these crazy things were happening. And I would go to the university health center, I'd get antibiotics and it still would never go away. And so at first I was like, am I doing something wrong? Am I not drinking enough water? Like I wasn't exercising because I didn't even want to leave my room. And I didn't know if I caused this or how this happened. Basically about six months in is when my mom suggested I see an immunologist, but technically I went for an allergist. So allergy immunology kind of go hand in hand. So I thought I was maybe allergic to something in Colorado. Like, I don't know, the trees, something. So I went and I was tested for all these allergens and all of them were negative, like not allergic to anything. So I gave my blood and I left and I really did not know what was coming. I got a phone call from my doctor. I missed the the phone call from him and he left a voicemail. And when I listened to the voicemail, it sounded really bad. He didn't tell me very much. He just said to call him back. But I've never had a doctor call me and leave a voicemail and say to call him back. I'm 19 years old at this point. And so I like calling my mom crying. My life's over. Like I I have cancer. I'm dying. And she was like, no, that's not exactly what's happening. (laughs) You're not terminally ill, but you do have a disease and we need to learn more about it and figure it out. That's where I was. I never heard of this disease before. And I basically was told I had to rely on donated blood plasma for essentially the rest of my life or the near to distant future, at least. So I immediately started treatment like three weeks later. And so this all happened so fast. I mean, a year before this, I never would have guessed that this would be my life. So I think that the feelings were all, why me? Why did this happen to me? I'm watching all of my friends live normal lives. And I feel like my life isn't normal. In reality, those are just the immediate dramatic feelings. Like those aren't permanent feelings and everybody has hard things that they go through. And when it's you going through it, you feel so alone and you feel like nobody understands you, especially at that age too. I'm barely becoming an adult. And I, I just didn't think that this would happen to me. What I find interesting here is, yeah, this is a time in life in your life where you are experiencing new things, you're in college, you're trying to build your life and you're also trying to fit in because that's something that reminding me back to my college days, you go to a new place, especially, and you're trying to fit in with everybody. And now all of a sudden you're getting sick. So now Mm -hmm. you're known as this person who's sitting in the dorm and you're sick all the time. So that had to have a big identity shift for you. And it had to cause additional stress and concerns on top of everything else. And now you go and you get diagnosed with this disease. And again, your first reaction was like, this has got to be something really bad because we hear those words. We hear chronic illness and lifetime illness, something that's going to last for life. Well, is that like and like your first thought was like cancer? I do know, you know, people have, have had that diagnosis. We've had a few podcast episodes regarding people that have been diagnosed with cancer and have fought cancer. Some have fought and won, some have not. But uh, the thing about is 
that feeling of being an unlucky person, being singled out, what's wrong with me? Those thoughts that immediately come to your mind because we think, am I broken? But really, you're not a broken person. You're just a person that has an illness that you have to deal with. And now you mentioned that you have to go for treatments very often. How often do you have to do these treatments and what exactly do they entail? Yeah, so I have to do them every other week. So when I first started off, I did them every single week and actually do them myself at home. So there's two options. You can either get an IV once a month or you can do it at home once a week, once every two weeks. But a nurse teaches you how to do all of it. And you have to basically be trusted to do all of it because it's not just like a, a shot. It's a hour to hours long in, infusion. So essentially plasma gets sent to my house. So I have to do all of these steps where I fill a syringe, I set up tubing and I have to insert needles myself and it's subcutaneous. So it's in my fat tissue. So people usually do their stomach, their their sides or the side of their thigh. That's where we have a lot of more of that tissue. That was the freakiest part. Some people don't want to do that so they can do the IV option, but I've been doing that for four years now. That's what was hard was that it's something that is constant, especially when it was once a week. And I moved into the sorority house like two weeks after I started this. So then I was living with a ton of people And, you know, I have a roommate in my room with me too, and I'm trying to do these treatments. You know, they helped me be really comfortable. They had an extra room that I could go in. There's definitely changes that had to be made. I had to bring a mini fridge and leave it in the basement to have my plasma go in. So there were a lot of changes, but for those with CVID or immune deficiencies that do these infusions, they're pretty much forever unless something happens, but... That's got to be intense. I mean, and having people around you, you know, witness that a lot of people out there are thinking, well, I don't know if I could do that. I mean, I don't know if I could sit there and give myself these injections myself. Personally, I'm one of those people. I'm I'm not really fond of needles. Yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. So you just have to learn that this is now part of your life. And that I think is that's a good introduction to positive mindset because I talk about this in my ebook, Strive to Thrive. And when things happen in life, we have wake up call moments in our life. Sometimes they're good things. Sometimes they're bad things. Sometimes they're, they're neutral. But for someone in your situation, your wake up call moment is now I have this illness and now I can choose two paths. One path would be I'm going to whine and complain about it. I'm going to take this negative attitude or the other path I could take is a more positive path. I can accept it because I think that's the first step, right? You have to accept, okay, this is not a punishment. Did you feel that way? Let me just capture that while I'm in the middle of my thought. I'm curious. I mean, did you feel like this was a punishment to you when you first got your diagnosis? I wouldn't say punishment is the right word. I felt like it was more of a curse. It's crazy because other people with CVID have said that and people with CVID as children grew up with always having it. And that's some of the people that have said that word too. I felt like I was cursed almost. So yeah, but I think accepting it was the hardest part in the beginning because you don't want to think that this is your life and you don't, you want to know why, but there is no real reason. 
Yeah, there's no real reason. And you just have to accept it. And acceptance is the first step in that journey. And especially when you're going to uh, use that healing power of the positive mindset is you have to start with acceptance. And once you accept it, then you can take that turn and you can start going down that positive path. And you can say things like, how can I use this thing that I've been given and make a more positive life out of that? You know, how can I affect people positively? How can I spread a message, a positive message to other people? Maybe I can encourage people that are younger than me. You know, I had someone on the podcast who was diagnosed with leukemia as a child. And as she got older, she was able to beat the leukemia. And now she goes around to hospitals and talks to other children who've had that. Oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah. She, she took something that most people would say, why, why did that, why did this happen to me? And said, I'm going to use this, you know, for good. It's kind of like, you know, the old star Wars, you either go to the dark side or you go, you know, to the, <laughs> you, know, you go to the, use the force. And, you know, when you're using that, uh, your positive mindset to get through that. So give me some examples of how changing your mindset and taking that positive perspective, how that helped you through some of the initial things that were happening to you right after your diagnosis. Yeah. So I would say I was stuck in a dark place for a bit. And I think that, you know, so this happened to me in the summer. This happened right before my sophomore year of college. Like I said, I was moving in to the sorority house and everything. I think in the beginning, shaking those feelings that you know, my life is so hard and like everyone else's life looks so great at this age. Shaking those feelings, I think, was the first step, but also realizing too that it's okay to feel that way. You have to let yourself feel that way. You can't argue with your own emotions, but you have to choose how you're going to deal with it next. And I think for me, accepting that I can't control it and that nothing that I, I do will make it go away. There's a treatment. There's not a cure. All I can do is do these treatments. When the day of the treatment comes, I'm probably going to dread it a little bit, but I have to do it. And it helped me get my life back. It totally turned everything around, even though I don't like doing it. That was the sacrifice I had to make to stop being sick 24 seven to get back out there and be able to do things again, to hang out with my friends. And I also realized too, that I control the narrative. I it's an invisible illness. So people don't know this about me. If I didn't want to tell anyone, I actually don't even have to. There's a lot of people that I actually at that time, like never told them about it. I think I fought all these feelings of do I talk about it? And then I'm weird because of it, or I'm different. I would say for a couple of years, though, I dealt with horrible anxiety because there were all these other things that happened. I had swollen lymph nodes everywhere. I had low white blood cells. They did say in the beginning that I could have leukemia. When I, when I got those low white blood cell counts, they said I could have lymphoma. I got a bone marrow biopsy for leukemia, two surgeries to find out if I had lymphoma. And that whole time, I lived in a state of constant anxiety and depression, and it was terrible. I kept thinking, I'm going to have to tell my friends I'm dropping out. Like, no one's ever going to see me again. All these things. But after all that, I actually didn't even ever get a diagnosis of either. And so what I learned from that, that was about a 
couple year process was don't borrow trouble. You already have enough trouble to deal with, with whatever's going on. But if you're anticipating all these horrible things that might not even happen, you're ruining your own life. And that's what I was doing. Well, if I have this, then I'm going to have to go get this treatment. And then I'm going to have to miss class. And then how am I going to have a job? But the crazy thing is, is I graduated in four years. I moved to a new city. I got a job. And a lot of the things that I made up in my head were never really real. And there's always a possibility that more bad things can happen. Nobody is protected. We don't have anything guaranteed. And that was another thing that I had to realize too. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, but neither is anyone else. So I'm not even really in that different of a position than anyone in humanity. We don't, we're not promised anything. We're not guaranteed anything. That's what I had to realize that this was really unexpected, but life is like that. And I need to figure out that when something comes, I can change my reaction and my actions moving forward, but I can't, I'd have no control over things like this happening. You can't change what goes on in your life, but we can control the way we react to it. And I think that's a big part of it. I like that what you, what you talked about, don't borrow trouble because, yeah, we do that. And in fact, I mean, even if you look at something like the Bible, there's a verse in there that says, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has troubles of its own. Mm -hmm. So just face everything that you go into one thing at a time. If you're not feeling well, if you have to, maybe you have to cancel going out because you know, you're not feeling well for that particular evening, deal with that, but don't go into that moment where you go, wow, I'm not going to be able to go out and spend time with my friends now. And you could really mm. get into this secular thing where, you know, you're always thinking of the worst thing that can happen, but you know, and then comparison, that was another thing you brought up. And when you start comparing yourself to other people, and I love your thoughts about saying that, you know what, other people are going through different things in their life. I mean, yeah, that's true. Somebody could die. Uh, they could get hit by a bus, you know, yeah. and if we all look at it that way. And again, that has to do with, with having our, our mind and having control of our mind and controlling our thoughts and being able to choose the things that we dwell on and the way mm -hmm. we react to things. I think that's huge. And lastly, in this question, the other thing that I notice, even when we first start talking, anyone who meets you on the street, they're not going to know that you have any yeah. kind of illness. So it's your choice to tell them, which is a great way to look at it. I love the way you framed it that way, because some people could frame it that people don't believe I'm sick because they look at me and I look like a normal person. And I bet that was some of the thoughts you might've had when you were in college, because you look, you're, you're walking through the dorm, you know, you're walking down the hall or outside somewhere and people will look at you and go, well, you don't look like somebody who's sick, but it also makes me think how many people on the street are we encountering every day? Are we walking past every day who may have some type of illness? And we don't know. We don't know that. That's why I believe you should always treat people with kindness and smile at them because you don't know what kind of day they're having. That's so true. And I definitely started thinking about that a lot more too, because sometimes I would not share, especially in the beginning about my illness. And then when I, especially when I was going through, you know, these surgeries, why I had to get these surgeries under my arms. So like 
then my arm would look all weird. And I'm like, okay, well, I got surgery because I might have lymphoma, but I might not. And explaining this whole thing and people would be like, what? I had no idea like this was happening. And that is what it made me think too. I definitely learned a lot of lessons and I'm still learning of making assumptions and yeah, really having no idea what other people are going through and trying to ask more people about themselves too. I think it's easy when you're going through something to be so wrapped up in it. Like my life is so crazy right now and all these things, but it's definitely interesting when people would say, I had no idea this was going on. I automatically assumed sometimes that people knew for no reason. And so sometimes I don't say things and I just somehow expect people to know. And that's what's crazy is that you have to communicate too. You know, sometimes you do have to put yourself out there and say, hey, I'm really, really sick right now. Could my roommate go pick this up for me or whatever? Sometimes you do have to ask for help, which I never, I'm not good at that. I Mm. don't like to ask for help too. But I think opening up about those things too and learning those things about other people, it's so eye-opening. And I've had people tell me things about their life And I'm so shocked that I never knew that, that I've hung out with them for this many months or maybe even years and not known this about them. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. When you share things about yourself, that automatically opens up the doors for other people to share things about them. And I think, you know, that can lead to some really amazing conversations. I want to shift a little bit into the healing aspect of the positive mindset, because I know You've probably had days that weren't very good days and maybe where you weren't feeling well. How have you been able to use that positive mindset for your healing in this process? There are good days and bad days, I would say. But I think the beginning of this was figuring out how to deal with anxiety because that was the main thing that would take over my life. And I felt like it would ruin my life. And, you know, anxiety is, it's a mental disorder. So, you know, I've gone to a psychiatrist, I've tried out, you know, medications, they didn't really work for me that well. So I started to think, okay, if I can get a hold of my anxiety and my fear of the future and like my regret of the past and just focus on today, that's going to help me a lot more. If I'm having a bad day today, A, what I always try to tell people, and I write about this, I talk about this, A, let yourself feel how you feel, kind of like I already touched on. Don't make yourself feel guilty for taking care of yourself. You need to do what you need to do. I'm always someone that I don't like to ever call out of work last minute. I don't like doing anything like that. And it's good to honor obligations and all that. But if there is something that comes up, you have to say, okay, how do I put my health first? If this is a dire situation, if I'm going through something, it's okay for me to take care of myself and I need to take care of myself and not feeling guilty for resting too. I used to think, oh, I'm so lazy. I'm laying down. I need to be productive. But when you have a chronic illness or if you're just feeling really depressed, it's okay to rest figure out what calms your mind. I love to buy candles. I have a candle addiction. I have like 20 in my room always. I like to light some candles and turn on Gossip Girl that I'm going to watch for the 20th time because that's what makes me happy. 
So don't feel bad about what makes you happy. Don't feel bad about taking care of yourself. And I think moving forward, just a reminder that the moments are so fleeting. Something that's really hard for me is when I get in a really bad mood, it sticks. I just can't get out of it. Like if someone talks to me, I'm just like, no. But what I have to realize is 30 minutes later, I'll look back and be like, that was so ridiculous. But in the moment, I felt what I felt. It's okay to feel that way. But I don't want to permanently feel that way. You have to compartmentalize those feelings. And one bad moment does not mean a bad life or even a bad day. Having a bad morning doesn't mean you're going to have a bad whole day. And I feel like I used to operate that way of, oh, I have this doctor's appointment today. I really don't want to go. It's going to be terrible. And then I'm going to be running late and all of these things. And the doctor's going to give me bad news. But the reality is, is putting those moments as just moments is really helpful. When I do my plasma treatment right before, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't like doing this. But while I'm doing it, I realize this is an opportunity for me to relax, think about myself, maybe drink a Diet Coke because I love Diet Coke and do what I want to do. So that's what's helped me a lot. And also just realizing that this is not my entire life and that I can do whatever I want. It's easy to feel or to feel held back. I originally wanted to go to Spain after I graduated. I wanted to teach English there. I had heard of people doing this program and I studied Spanish in college. And my doctor told me no, because I couldn't get my plasma over there. And I always dreamed of living abroad. I've traveled a lot. And so that was really disheartening for me. And I watched other people go. And I think that was really hard. But now it led me to moving to San Diego, which is my favorite city. I love living here. I've met certain people and all worked out how it was supposed to work out. Everything does, I think. I I think things are supposed to happen, and sometimes we just have to go with the flow. You said a lot of great things there. One of the things that I liked was the quote where you said, one bad moment doesn't mean a bad life. Just because you're going through a bad time, it doesn't mean that your life is bad. It's about putting those moments as just moments and then being grateful because I'm a big believer in getting up every day and thinking of three things that you're grateful for. I usually write them down the night before and then in the morning I read them three things every day because you can always find something that you're grateful for. And when you're in gratitude, then it's impossible for you to feel upset or angry or any other of those negative feelings. So staying in gratitude is, is really, really important. Finding the things that make you happy. That was another thing that you said. And Laughter, I think, is is great. I mean, I, I can see you going into your room, you know, <laughs> uh, and w- watching Gossip Girl and probably laughing. Was no, that, no. Yeah, yeah, that was that was part of it. One of my mentors is uh, Joseph McClendon the Third. Not sure if you're familiar with him. He works a lot with Tony Robbins, but Joseph had a situation in his life where his mother was diagnosed with cancer, and they assumed that it was terminal. But what he did. And uh, it's interesting to hear him tell the story, but he kind of fought the doctors on this, but he didn't want any of the doctors to tell his mother about this. He took her home and they they treated her with a lot of holistic methods, but they also used positive mindset and laughter. They would sit around and watch comedy movies all the time, movies that she enjoyed. They never told her about it. They just 
kept telling her, oh, you're getting better every single day. And she was able to actually beat the disease from wow. things. And laughter was a big part of that. We don't know. I mean, when we smile, when we laugh, we just feel better. And the more we can do that, the more we get out of those bad moods. So maybe when you're going through one of those situations where you all of a sudden get in, in a bad mood, try to think of something that makes you laugh or do something that make, and laugh or just to smile. Another thing That's that, uh, another great way to start the day is to look at yourself in the mirror, smile and looking in the mirror, look at yourself and say, for in your case, you would say, Aubrey, I love you. you know, I look Aww. in the mirror and I say, Tony, I love you. Cause if you love yourself, and if you're smiling and you see this person, you do this every day, you'd be surprised after do that for like 10 days and uh, it'll totally change your perspective. I've talked about that on the podcast before. So uh, I'm going to transition this a little bit back to the anxiety because a lot of people in the world are dealing with anxiety right now. Anxiety medications are one of the top prescribed medications now. How do you deal with it and what do you think is the best way when you're going through one of these anxious moments, uh, did you have panic attacks at all? Or was um, it just, was it just basic uh, overall anxiety? I wouldn't say it was as bad as a panic attack. There have been a few worse moments. I think for me, it would be, I would also get disassociation. If you've heard of that a little bit where I would have days, sometimes weeks where I just wouldn't feel like I was really there those two things went hand in hand, but it would get really bad when my mind would start racing. And I think the reason was thinking of all the possibilities of things that could happen. Like I said, I did try a medication, but for me, I just didn't really like it. And so I wanted to figure out maybe if I could find some ways to deal with it personally on a natural level. So yeah, so I started basically kind of changing my mindset of whatever I'm anxious about. Basically, I need to think of what is the worst case scenario of the situation. There's some situations where the worst case scenario is actually really bad. And those are situations that you should give more attention to. If the worst case scenario is I, I die, that's the worst case scenario of all. But majority of things, almost all things I'm anxious about the worst case scenario, if it happened, wouldn't actually be that bad. You know, the whole the whole world isn't going to implode. You know, we're not going to sink under the ocean or whatever. Usually it's, oh, I, I made a mistake on this. Or when I was in college, I'm going to get a really bad grade on this. But would I still pass class? Yes, I would. And so thinking about those things, oh, I think I said something wrong and I think someone's mad at me. And so I think also what I started to do is ask myself what is true, what I know for a fact is true. Like, if I think someone's mad at me, did they tell me that they were mad at me? No. Okay, well, I don't actually know that. They could be, but then I need to have a conversation about it or I need to act accordingly. And I think that's what I always struggled with of, I did something wrong. This is going to happen. All these horrible things are going to happen, but... I just always thought about what are what are these possibilities I'm thinking of? Have any of them happened? And what is the actual likelihood? Every yeah. time I get in my car, I could get in a car accident. Every time I get in my car, doesn't mean I'm going to. Right. <laughs> and so I think that's what I had to start thinking about. And, you know, just living life. Like I said, we don't have anything guaranteed. 
And with life comes conflict in all sorts of things. You know, everybody faces trials, challenges, conflicts. We're all humans. And so, I mean, I'm only 23. I'm still figuring this out. And so I think just in the future, I've realized I, every time I'm in a situation too, where maybe I didn't act the way that I wish I acted or I didn't like my response to something, I'm going to start writing down the lesson I learned. And maybe if I can change my reaction next time, Yeah, it's hard to do, but it can be helpful because I used to freak out about every little thing. And that's how, you know, you get yourself into these dark places so that's kind of what I'm trying to do right now. It's gone so much better than how my anxiety used to be, but I still go through these short spells where I get freaked out about mm-hmm. anything. Every time I go to the doctor, I feel like I get a slight like feeling of what if I go there and they tell me something else bad is going on. That's always a worry for me, but it hasn't happened until it's happened. <laughs> yeah. It, and that's true. I like your, uh, the philosophy of what is true, you know, what is true here. And if you ask yourself that question and focus on the answer and then go into what that worst case scenario is, yeah, it might be a bad thing, but it might not, it might not be really bad. And then the last thing that you said is, is what is this trying to teach me? Because if we focus on the lesson versus you know, and what we can learn from something rather than what's going on that can change our perspective. So I think those are all great. Did you do anything in relation to exercising? Has I mean, are you able to do that? Uh, do they recommend that for your situation or something like meditation, any of those things? Yeah. So I do have a interstitial lung disease. It's not super severe, but I'm on a medication for it. But um, I found out about that like, like two years ago. So my doctor does recommend doing cardio or some kind of workout. The hard thing is I have really horrible fatigue. So after work, I don't always want to go work out, mm-hmm. but it's definitely really helpful. And it's really helpful for anxiety and depression too. That's what therapists have told me as well. Getting out there a couple of days a week, at least 30 minutes, even if it's just walking or anything like that. And I have done some meditation. I've done a little bit of yoga, but I think for when I was feeling disassociated, I was realizing that that was my body's response to trauma or protecting myself from things. So I had to do a meditation where... I try to find the root of where that was coming from. Sometimes it's not super apparent and everybody's been through things in their life, but sometimes we just choose to ignore it and not remember it, but it still affects us. And so that's what I started to have to do too. Just sit there, turn on some music, close my eyes and think, where did this come from? And why is it making me act or feel a certain way that I don't want to be doing? One of the things that I recommend to a lot of my clients, and again, I'm not a health coach, I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but I always tell people that you need to read more every day because reading is is a good thing, but sometimes we don't have time to read. So what I like to do is listen to either podcasts or, you know, an audio book, a great way to listen to an audio book, or even sometimes our favorite music. All right. Just throw that on, 
go outside and just take a walk. Even if it's for only 10 minutes, 20 minutes a day, start with a 10 minute walk and then just build that out. Because I find that on those days that I'm able to get out there and walk, you know, I come back and I just have a new attitude and it's a great way to start your day. Uh, or even if you can't do it first thing in the morning, do it later in the day, do it in the evening. But walking is one of the, the greatest things that you can do. It doesn't cost you anything. It's not like going to a gym membership. It's not as physically taxing as doing like a cardio workout. But you know what? If you're walking a lot every day and if you ever get to the point where you can walk an hour a day, you know, the health benefits are are, are pretty amazing. You know, I've read a lot on that. And the meditation is something that, you know, we all should try to do just sit quietly for even for a few minutes and just reflect. So I think those, those are two great things. Anything on, on dietary issues? Have you had to change your diet or have they recommended anything? Actually, no. So that is a positive thing is that I haven't had to change like anything that I've been eating really. I've tried to personally figure out what makes me feel good. Since for this, it doesn't really affect my GI, anything like that. I've heard some other people with other chronic illnesses talk about that a lot. So recently I have been trying to make an effort to see what makes me feel good and what doesn't. Personally, I've noticed added sugar does not help me. Since I have really bad fatigue, I have been looking into natural ways to help it. A lot of people with CVID have really bad fatigue and don't know what to do. And so I have kind of been looking more into how to stabilize my energy levels. I have been trying to do a lot less um, added sugar. I found that that helps a lot too. Also, I mean, just hydrating a lot with my disease, especially when I do infusions, that's a really big thing. That's what, that's something that I incorporated and I talk about this all the time because it's part of one of the habits that I do. I fill a water bottle, 16 ounces of water with a little bit of lemon in it. And I just leave it on my nightstand at night. So the first thing when I get up in the morning, I drink the 16 ounces. It sounds like a lot of water, but you know what? You're sleeping all night long and your body gets dehydrated. And by the time you wake up in the morning to do that, uh, that's made a huge difference for me. I want to ask you if there were anyone listening out there who maybe they've had uh, this diagnosis, or maybe they've just recently had this diagnosis, what would you say to them? And what would you recommend that they do? What would be maybe the the top three things or some summary of what you would tell them right now? I would definitely tell them that it seems really daunting and terrible in the beginning. This is really cliche, but it gets better with time. Over time, you will become way more comfortable with this diagnosis, with this disease, with the treatment, and it gets better. And the more you learn about it, the better it gets too. I wouldn't recommend going straight to Google because then you will freak yourself out because I did that. And I, the first thing I saw was life expectancy and I ran away because I thought I was going to die young, which I don't think is true, but I have no idea. But anyway, I definitely would recommend take it day by day and try to find people to reach out to. Anyone can always reach out to me. I've talked to a lot of people via a Facebook group. Like we have a CVID Facebook group. And so 
that's what's really cool. If anybody ever wanted to reach out to me, um, I'm always open to talking about it too. I didn't have anyone with CVID to talk to when I first got the diagnosis and I felt really alone for years. And I started my website, aubreywithgrace.com. I started that not even a year ago. And that is when I first started really publicly talking about this. Since then, I've been able to connect with a lot of people. So it's really, really important to talk to people. I shut myself off and didn't connect with anyone for a while, but it's so helpful. So I would definitely recommend that. That's great. I was just going to ask you the next question. It was going to be if people wanted to reach out, how would they do that? So your website is aubreywithgrace.com. And is there a favorite social media platform that you're out there on? Yeah. So I would say I mostly converse with people via Instagram. So if you have an Instagram, it's aubrey.johnston. That's just the username. And you can also find that on my website. On my website, I have a Facebook page too, uh, my Instagram and a couple other social media channels. And I also have my email on there. So feel free to reach out. I love to answer questions. I've definitely been through it. I like to take a lot of different supplements, try them out. So if people are interested in hearing about my experience with that too, I love to talk about that. So that's the best way to reach me. Awesome. Aubrey, this has been a lot of fun today and a lot of great information. And I just want to say that I'm just really proud of you as a person who you've been able to embrace this journey and you're able to share this with other people and to take something that could have been something that you could have gone down that negative path with and turned it around for positive and used it for good. And uh, I just think that's really beautiful. And uh, I really appreciate that. With that in mind, uh, I ask all my guests this question at the end of the show, and that is, what does being purposely positive mean to you? So I'm really interested in your uh, answer to that question. For me, I think it means taking that first instinct thought and choosing how to think after that. You can't always control the first thing that pops into your head. It might be something really negative. It might be a fear. And I let a lot of anxiety and fear get to me. So for me, being purposely positive really means choosing my reaction and choosing my mindset after those initial thoughts in my head and learning every day and hoping that in the next days, weeks, years from now, that I can continue to grow my mindset, to learn more about positivity and choosing to let go of the things that I can't control. Choosing to let go of the things I can't control. That's a big part of it. Thank you, Aubrey. This has been a total pleasure and a delight to have you here. And I wish you the best. And I hope people reach out to you. And that's at AubreyWithGrace.com. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the purposely positive podcast brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. And you may be out there and you may be wondering, how can I choose a positive path rather than a negative one? You can download a free resource, an ebook called Strive to Thrive, and it will help you in the direction of a purposely positive life.